Okay, everybody, welcome back to another in, another episode of Kente Corner. I'm Bobby Bancroft. You can find me at Bobby Bancroft on Twitter. This is a Casual Hoya podcast, and you can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. And I'm joined today by a longtime recruiting guru, Justin Young, currently of Hoop Scene. He was with Rivals for a long time, and... What seems like many years ago, we worked together at a site that he created called National Hoops Report. Justin, what's up, man? What's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I'm a little baseballed out right now. I've been working on these Nats playoff games from the wild card up until the World Series. I did not think it would go this long. But all of a sudden, it's almost college basketball season. Yeah, well, and, listen, as a resident of Atlanta, I, I don't really feel sorry for you at all. Um, not one bit, because you guys are dancing, and, and like, you can have all the fatigue you want, but you could be a Braves fan and just have your heart broken. Now, we're actually, we kind of feel like what you must feel like in D.C. for so long, like you'll just never get over the hump. You guys are like, the Caps win it, the WNBA championship runs through your town, now you got the Nats there. Like, I don't want to hear about your fatigue, bro. Like, I'm just... <laughs> Sorry, not interested in your fatigue living in Atlanta. We were the, we're the new DC man. Well, you've got you've got the MLS team now that's killing it. That's true, but in typical Atlanta fashion, we'll probably have our hearts broken in a couple of days. Not to be like that guy, but that's kind of how it works. Last year was a fantasy, so right. bound to happen I, again. Yeah, I have no idea what happened in that first inning in Game Five against the Cardinals, but that really worked out well for the Nats. Let me tell you, it was the best happy hour in the history of Atlanta bar um, industry because it was like a five o'clock game. And then by the time everybody got to work, <laughs> the game was already over and it was like happy hour went bonkers that, that day. So somebody won. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been crazy. And the Nats are in a little bit of a little, little bit of a hole here right now, but uh, they still have some games to play. But switching That's gears true. to recruiting. Georgetown recently, and I know this is a guy that you've seen a bunch, they recently missed out on R.J. Davis, who just as a couple, I'd say about a month ago, I had Corey uh, Evans on from Rivals, and he was talking about how it really seemed like a two-horse race between Ewing and Capel, Georgetown and Pitt. And as so often happens, UNC became really involved, and that's where R.J. Davis is going to continue his college career. So, how I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it a lot, but just how tough is it to beat out a team when UNC comes in late, or Duke, or Kentucky, or Kansas, Michigan State, so on? Yeah, I mean that's just kind of the nature of the beast, isn't it? Right? Like, I mean, there's a handful of schools, like you mentioned, you mentioned all of them. I think UCLA at one point was one of those teams too that they can come in the final hour and and, and throw a pitch together. And I think a lot of it though, too, though, to be fair, is it's it's kind of a chicken and the egg, right? And so. Carolina, I mean, they're, they are stockpiling talent right now. That hasn't been the case for like the last couple of years, like four or five years. They haven't really been putting together like the classes that we've seen Duke put together, Kentucky or some of these other places. And so this year's class, they've got some studs coming to town off the heels of getting a guy like Cole Anthony, who they got really late in the process, who I think, you know, by all things considered, should probably be the national freshman of the year. It could be an All-American and the freshman one-and-done guy. So you get a guy like R.J. Davis up in the same area, and I'm sure, you know, he probably sees his talent not that far off from Cole Anthony, and, and I'm sure 
Carolina was really smart and said, hey, just watch how we're going to use Cole, and we think that we can probably get you in a very similar role, um, you know, score the ball and get, you know, get all these other studs involved. And, yeah, it's Carolina, man. 23 hangs in the rafters. <laughs> Everyone thinks they're going to be the next guy. So it's certainly tough, but, you know, that's that's a problem for, you know, a lot of programs in the country like Georgetown and Texas and Oregon and, and you know, go down the line, there, there's other programs all over the place that I think do a very similar thing that they're two years invested into a player. And then, you know, Dagum Roy picks up the phone and says, Hey, we want to recruit you. And next thing you know, your girlfriend left you for somebody that drives a nicer car. So. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of the concern, at least with the fan base and obviously the fan base is the fan base, but how you mentioned Cole Anthony and he probably will not be there when RJ Davis suits up. Right. But there's going to be a lot of competition at the guard spots at UNC, even with Cole Anthony gone and they're going to keep recruiting at a high level. Do you think the kids and, you know, RJ Davis had a great summer. He really, you know, he increased his national rankings and all that stuff. Do you think guys are more interested in competing at a school like that? Cause for instance, Georgetown, brings back this year um you know James Akinjo was the biggest freshman of the year point guard Mac McClung starting shooting guard those guys play a ton of minutes they're probably going to be there as juniors do you think RJ Davis and guys like that think well they got two guards that play a ton of minutes would I rather compete for my minutes at Georgetown or I'd rather compete for my minutes at UNC yeah that's a great question I, I think about this all the time and and I, I think more about like the sheer psychology of it and, you know, like, like there's an instant gratification that happens now too, um, where guys are really um, kind of like the shiny object kind of plays out more than maybe like the logical decision. But then again, yeah, on the flip side, you have other guys like Anthony Edwards, who's a freshman in Georgia, who decided to kind of blaze his own path. And by all things considered, he was like one of the top two guys in the country and decided to, to not do that and not take that that path and he wanted to be the guy where he played 32 five, 35 minutes a game and, you know get a fast track to the nba and i really think too bobby that every kid that's like a top 100 guy like let, let's just say every kid that went to the nba top 100 camp i really think all those guys think they're good enough to go one and done and go be pro i really do it's yeah. changed a lot where, where the mentality is a little different and so and I, and I actually don't mind that at all like i you know you'd hope that your best players have that same sort of like mentality that they think they're the best guy. Like you want that. The, but that being said, I mean, there's only, you know, there's only 30 guys can shake hands with Adam Silver in the first round anymore. So, I mean, it's, it's a different world where I do think the mentality is a little different. And if you don't find that path in that short term and that shiny object period, then you just go find another path and do it all over again and transfer out or, you know, you do something else. So it's a, it's a different world now where I don't even know if guys even think too much about like who was even on the roster or how many minutes. I really think every guy thinks they can come in and be the guy, no matter the fact there's maybe two other McDonald's All-Americans or, you know, or whether there's like season starting starting players already on the team. So I really don't know, man. I really don't know. It's a, it's a different world now. It's a totally different world than, than what we've seen 10 years ago. And I do think it's just all a mentality of how guys operate. So speaking of a different world, completely different world we are going into year three of Patrick Ewing and they are playing a completely different style than John Thompson the third okay I think you know that everyone knows that it's pretty obvious and they he, he picked up 
Akinjo and McClung, he got those guys. Uh, Akinjo was going to Connecticut. Coaching change comes to Georgetown. McClung was going to Rutgers, I think realized I'm going to Rutgers and decided to go to Georgetown. Um, with the with the way that Ewing is playing a fast pace, get up and down, try and outscore you, kind of you know what you see in the NBA, which is where he was an assistant for at least 15 years, maybe a little bit longer. You think it's a little – I think a lot of Georgetown fans were thinking that this style would end up in them getting more guards – more more wings that are just you know transition guys are you a little surprised that he hasn't been able to get that or do you think that it's sort of you know it's they're they're just going into year three this this kind of takes a while particularly when you weren't a college assistant yeah I mean the sad thing the 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 sad thing is is I really you know obviously Patrick Ewing is a guy that you know if he recruits you know high school coach or travel coach is going to tell the player like hey man this is this is one of the greatest of all time you know, like this is one of the 50 best players that ever played. But honestly, like these kids don't know how these guys are. They never watched one game of, of any of these guys live, you know. And I'm not yeah. really sure like that that appeal really resonates as much as I think maybe people of our generation think that it does. Or these guys don't know. You know, they really don't. And so, but I do think to your point, though, it does take time to get in the players to come in there. But but I really think here's the thing is that to me, it's it's much more about developing your guys. It's this weird thing now, right? You may have a team – put together it's really good and then you know like in june the guy that you never thought would ever leave your program transfers You're like what in the, what in the, what like why are you leaving like it makes no sense and so then you have to account for that so your focus now shifts from developing your current team that you have to like have to deal with like this right turn that you absolutely did not plan for nor did you ever think would ever happen and i'm not saying like georgetown has like a specific example of that but i do think that the uh, normal operation of things for developing guys and developing your team has really changed because roster turnover is such a thing now. But that's really the key. Like if you look at teams that have really been successful, and I look at Virginia a lot of this, like now they've been they've been, had the fortunate um, spot where they haven't had a lot of guys leave. But you have to develop these long term guys where you can still get a stud that comes in, right? But you still also have to develop them. And I, I think Duke's going to be a great example of that this year, right? Like. Duke not being good means they're going to be like a sweet 16 team. <laughs> okay. So let me be clear on that. But like, right. I'm not really sure that they have a team that's going to be like a national championship contender because they don't have a ton of guys that I think are going to be good enough as juniors or seniors to be the go-to guys. We have a ton of guys, or role guys. And I think that just takes time and, and we're not patient enough anymore um, to allow that to happen. So that open style is every style that every kid wants to play. But now I think you have to develop these guys. It, just, it takes time. I mean, to your point, though, you've got a young backcourt. And this could be a significant jump here for both of those guys. And which in turn, you know, I think would be a ripple effect that, you know, allows you to maybe get a different guy um, that says, oh, that looks interesting. I want to go do that, you know, and then kind of go start their own legacy. But it takes time, man. It just takes time. So are, are you saying in this day and age of Twitter that we've lost our patience? <laughs> and, and, and everything. And everything. <laughs> like I'm watching, I'm watching El Camino, right? The Breaking Bad movie on Netflix. And it was kind of slow. And like, I just fast forwarded to like the good parts. And I'm like, man, I waited <laughs> like six years to see like, to, to like, you know, I, I obviously didn't know it was coming, but like, I couldn't even sit through the whole movie because I was just so impatient now, you know? And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, like, what am I doing? Like, that's how we, that's just kind of how we're trained. And everything that we do, everything that we consume, we have the ability to kind of fast forward to the good parts. And I just don't know if that we're conditioned anymore to like just kind of ride it out. 
and wait. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're 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 gonna want to stop fast forwarding through stuff like that. Just a <laughs> I know side I know. advice. I know. It's still in the queue. It's still in the queue. So I still <laughs> there's still hope. Okay, so obviously just talked about Patrick Ewing and you know sort of Georgetown's whole thing for decades now has been you know the family. It's a very tight knit program. Alonzo Mourning's son Trey just finally graduated. He was there five years. It felt like longer because he was. It was, you know, it just, it was, it was a long, you know, it was a long time. And, you know, Ewing Jr. Um, is still involved with the program. I think he does some sort of alumni relations. Patrick's obviously coaching. This brings me to Dikembe Mutombo, who's seemingly always everywhere in the world. He's always at Georgetown games, but then <laughs> he's on Instagram and he's like opening up a hospital somewhere and he's doing all these philanthropy things. Like, I don't even know when that guy sleeps. Um, but, Ryan Matumbo is now a thing and I know he's down in your neck of the woods. What's going on with him? Yeah. So you're right. Like the Kimmy is everywhere. He's like the most all encompassing human being on the planet. And, and when he's <laughs> right. not like opening hospitals or at Georgetown, believe it or not, like he's coaching like 10 new basketball. He coaches a lot of our events that we run. I run a company now that we run uh, a lot of these tournaments. Um, and we have some that are for, for youth based stuff. And so Dikembe and James Forrest, who was an all-time great at Georgia Tech, coached oh, yeah. the team together. And it's it's probably the single funniest thing to watch is watching the Kimbe um, coach, and he's yelling at these refs, and the refs like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. But anyways, <laughs> part of it is he would, he would coach Ryan. And so Ryan's been playing at our facility in our events for since he was, you know, seventh grade. And I'll tell you <laughs> – in the last like two years, it's really been cool to see him going from like this long, gangly kid that would you know trip over his own feet to really becoming a guy that is a really pretty interesting prospect, you know. And he plays. There's a lot of. I mean, listen, he's not his dad. Okay, like let's let's not set the bar too high for expectation. But there, the way that he moves and his length and you know blocking shots and you know there's some parts of his game you're like, oh man, I didn't see that like three months ago. And so we're starting to see like this fast track now of development for him. Now it's still, he's still years away from being really a good player um, down the road. And plus the games change where that type of five man really doesn't have as much value as he had say 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago when the Kimbe was playing. Um, but, but Ryan's really done the work to his credit and to the Kimbe's credit, honestly, like hasn't really like let, Ryan gets super immersed into like this wild world of travel basketball culture where everything has to happen. You know, you have to be anointed and you have to have all these crazy expectations. And he's just kind of let him be a kid and let him kind of grow and develop um, where education matters more than basketball does. And Ryan just so happened to put in the work and get, and get better. Um, I still think he's a guy that you probably want to redshirt as a freshman. Like that's kind of where his skill sets at and the physicality of it all. Okay. We've all said in Atlanta, like the day Georgetown decides they want to put him on the roster, that like there's, I talked to so many coaches, like, yeah, well, I went in to love it and I went to go see Ryan, but you know, you know, the day Georgetown wants to get involved, forget about it. Like, I think it's a pretty well known thing, but that's, you know, <laughs> if they want him, they can get him and it's going to be a layup and it won't take much convincing to happen. So, but he's interesting, man. He's an interesting kid. Tw- 24 months ago, he was, a low major guy on my list and just needed a lot of work. And, you know, every year he kind of levels up and I'm excited to see him this year. I think he's done enough to, to warrant 
you know, schools like Georgetown and some of these like other high academic schools, like the high school he's at is like a tremendous high school um, academically. And I think that he's a kid that could warrant looks from, you know, the Stanford's and the Harvard's and Northwestern's and, you know, those other types of schools that really sell their academics as does Georgetown. So I think he's a guy that those types of schools will come in and take a look at. Um, but I still think he's years away from really being quite the prospect that he's capable of. But it's been a fun story. Honestly, you don't see that kind of jump anymore. Everybody's kind of are what they are. But, but Ryan's done a really nice job of making that transformation. Were you a little bit surprised then, I guess, uh, that Georgia Tech came in? I think that they're, they're his first offer. Or were you like, this makes sense? Like, this is like yeah. his trajectory is to be that kind of a guy. Yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, from his school, from where they live to Georgia Tech, it's a 10-minute drive. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so, I mean, it's not super surprising. I mean, it fits the mold for what they want to do. Um, uh, you know, and, I, again, like, because James Forrest, who is, you know, really good friends with Takembe, um, you know, is a Georgia Tech guy, and they've done a pretty good job of trying to cultivate a relationship. And, and James runs, runs a travel program, um, and so they've done a pretty nice job of getting him on there. But, but again, I think even Georgia Tech will probably tell you. I mean, they obviously can't say it, but I, I'm pretty sure they'd tell you, like, oh, if Georgetown gets involved, then, you know, we, we kind of wave the white flag. So I think that's kind of the belief system, no matter who you are. Yeah, I mean, between the Thompsons, the Ewings, the Mornings, it seems like the next level is there's going to be a Matumbo at some point. I'm not sure what Iverson's kids are up to, you know, but it just sort of seems like. <laughs> um, well, we're so old now. We need to start like looking at the Jeff Green family tree, you know, like the Otto Porter family tree. And, like, oh, man. Coming up on the ranks. Yeah, Green, I believe, is. I, I don't think he's that, he's that far progressed, although it's crazy <laughs> to look up and it's like, wow, that was the 2007 Final Four in Atlanta that they made. And, you know, he's, it's about to be the, you know, it's 2019, 2020 NBA season and he's still out there playing. And it, it, sometimes I think of him as being young and it's like, wow, he's been in the league a long time. I know it's bizarre. It's really, it, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind how quickly everything turns, but, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was inevitable that Mutombo's kids would certainly be on the list of guys that you want to recruit. So full circle, man, recruiting is full circle. Um, so Justin, right before we go here, if you wanted to tell the people what hoop scene is all about real quick and, you know, they can follow you obviously at Justin D young on Twitter, just kind of give the people an idea of what you're up to. Yeah, sure. So, um, I've been with this company that we, that we run now for going into our ninth season talking about like, you can't believe how fast time goes. Like when you and I, and like, we, we had like national hoop support, the group that we had was kind of like the indie band that like kind of broke up and like created like all these other great bands. That's what yeah. I think about. Like we had a really cool team. And so when we kind of blew that up, everybody kind of went in their own direction. I've been here back in Atlanta and we run, we run a ton of events, particularly for like the non-major um, or the, the non-sponsored team for people like probably in your, in your demo, they're probably more familiar with like hoop group and like maybe like old Charlie Weber stuff. Like we run yeah. that down the Southeast for non-sponsored teams and, and we've had a number of like high level guys. Now we still do, you know, we own the Bob Gibbons tournament. We run that tournament that's gone on for you know, 27 years now. Um, and we run a ton of events and convention center stuff. So in the April life period, we'll be in Raleigh, North Carolina for the Carolina jam. And uh, in July, we're downtown Atlanta. We had, uh, we're, we're planning on about 500 teams in July for the non uh, for the non-sponsored teams during the live period in July. So we run really large scale travel tournaments. 
um, at convention centers during the live periods, as well as, you know, really like high level stuff during the non live period stuff. So still very much involved with recruiting. Um, and we still deal with guys that are obviously going to be high major guys. Um, but for the space that I'm in now, we run a lot of stuff that really tries to help those teams that don't have swooshes or three strikes or the, the UA on it. Um, and that's uh, really been kind of fun to kind of see that. So you get to see a lot of the teams that are in the tournament, and you're like, of course they're going to win because we've been watching these guys. They didn't play on the shoe circuits. and So like the Loyolas and, the, and uh, you know, the like, the guys that really kind of come up and, and bust up the brackets. That's kind of been a space that we've been involved with for the last little while. It's been really, really cool and really satisfying. So um, you go over to hoopscene, H-O-O-P-S-E-E-N.com and see what we do. And we still cover recruiting. Um, probably on the southeast, that was kind of the space that we've carved out for ourselves. So it's been a fun ride, man. Fun, fun ride. Yeah, no, it's cool. I remember um, I was just doing local stuff in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area. And I remember you from Rivals, and I was following you on Twitter, and you put something out to apply for. And I, I got in on that. You got me down on my my first um, Peach Jam, which was interesting from a Georgetown perspective. They were in on a lot of kids. I remember particularly um, DSR at that point had flipped from Xavier so I kind of followed him around, um, and it was definitely cool. It definitely helped me get in with more Georgetown stuff. I, I used the National Hoops Report to get into uh, the local radio station covering Georgetown for the website, and then I've done some other stuff since then, obviously. I do a lot of AP stuff and all that stuff, so I definitely appreciate your part in that. And um, yeah, Justin, sure. I hope to get you back soon. Sometime during the season, maybe some Ryan Matumbo updates or – if there's any other kids down there that Georgetown's looking at, I can get your expert opinion. Happy to help. Happy to do it anytime, Bobby. All right. Thanks, Justin. Okay, guys.